welcome to episode 25 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. Thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast is something you will continue to put on repeat. How are you doing, Courtney? Pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good as well. We just met, but... I know. I have plenty to talk about. Lots to talk about. Great. So we will have on the needles and on the easel and on the table and on the nightstand. And episode 25, I gotta say, I feel like we must be getting to our one-year podiversary. We'll have to figure out that exact, (laughs) exact date, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I can't recall when our first meetup was, but I think it must be... I feel like we talked about Halloween and... Yeah, and the library book sale. That was our first but that trip, was, yeah, but it was later last it year. Was later. And you talked about the food bank thing, too, so it must be hmm. right around now. We'll have to do a little research. We should probably know this. <laughs> well, theoretically, but we don't. So anyway, got to be coming soon. Okay, on the needles. Yes, please. Knitting went sort of sideways in a good way. Oh, no. Uh, no, all good. So I finished my hometown comfort mystery knit along shawl and the pattern was by michelle stead and my yarn was from destination yarn um, her passport base which is a fingering weight and thank you to all of you that posted nice comments about the colors on the instagram post i had nothing to do with the color selection except that i said i want the blue group (laughs) so (laughs) destination yarn that is all her color sense that was Part of the reason why I went with the mystery knit along because I love her yarn choices and I was really, really pleased with how it turned out. Oh, it's fabulous. I have, oh, this is a favorite already and I've just seen it. So it's a triangular shawl. The mystery knit along is officially over so I can talk, talk, talk about it. Um, So it's a triangular shawl and it increased along one edge. There's four color sections and then uh, in garter stitch and then a striping section in between each of them. And then each section has three columns. One of them is a cabled panel, one is lace, one's twisted stitches. And I just really, it was a really fun knit. I think mystery knit alongs are hard to do really well because you have to design something to be knit in chunks without it necessarily looking chunky you know yeah and I think she did a really good job here it was super fun it looks cool it's different I don't have anything like this so I'm really excited to wear it to wear it and knit more things from this designer I love these transitions they're really elegant in between the colors and and that you're right about the the different blocks are and then this termination with with the such a pretty um it's just really elegant that's nice a couple people i saw they did i just did a plain bind off a couple people did like a pico bind off uh uh-huh so it was a little fancier i don't know this is pretty fancy no it's just a regular oh fine (laughs) it's just a bind off it's seriously not anything it's It's a little bit it's It's off the needles this is therefore fancy a little bit stretchy (laughs) so the color it's a well you guys saw the picture it's two shades of blue and then a green speckle and a white speckle. I so, love the green speckle in between the blue and the green. Yeah. 
And I'm really fond of that. And then it came with this beautiful pin. Um, the designer is also a jewelry designer, so she oh my goodness. designed the pin and sent that along for all of us. It's beautiful. So, super excited. I need to block it. We'll see when that happens. Okay. So I finished that. Very excited. And then I went into what I'm going to call squirrel knitting. Squirrel knitting? I'm going to talk about squirrels. Really? Yes. It's the squirrel episode, people. Um, So by this, this is a term I just thought of this morning. I had all these plans. I have my works in progress. I still have my cowl, my porthole cowl. I still have my descent cardigan that needs work. And instead I went squirrel and got distracted by all the new shiny things. So I'm participating in the pigskin party knit along on the Down Cellar Studio podcast, which is five month knit along. You can kind of knit whatever you want. You get points for finished objects and sponsor yarn, blah, blah, blah. First year doing it. And every month they have what they call an interception because it is football themed. Oh, yes. Right, right. Where they give you, uh, <laughs> she gives you a, a, a specific theme thing um, to knit. It has to be at least 100 yards, but you can pick kind of whatever you want as long as it meets the requirement. So just a little fun thing to add on. You can do it. You could not do it. So the one for September was sponsored by Woodsy and Wild. I think she's a designer. And so you had to do something with a, a woodsy theme. Totally made sense. And I figured if I finished my hometown comfort shawl, then I would have time to do a cowl because... There was the yarn that Simon bought me from London that I'd asked him to get last February, and I'd wanted to knit it up, and it came with a cowl pattern that was called, well, the pattern is called the Dandelion Cowl. It's by Monica Farragher, but the pattern, the stitch pattern that they talk about is the wandering leaves, I think. So I was like, oh, leaves or woods? Perfect. It's a cute little cowl. I figured I could knock it out. I could not make it happen in one day. I mean, I could have, but I had other things going on. But I'd already started it, so I just kept going. So I finished that, and that's the one. In the pinkish cranberry? So this is the dandelion yarns. The colorway is officially cranberry juice. I think it's too pink to be cranberry, but it's a beautiful... Cranraz? Sure. (laughs) I like that. It was, yeah, so it was a really quick knit, except when I first looked at the instructions... I thought I was supposed to do seven repeats, and it's actually seven repeats around and three repeats total. So I'd finished three repeats and was like, wow, this seems like it's getting pretty long. I can't imagine doing another four. Oh. It would have been super, super long, and I I guess you could do it. It would have been really scrunchy, but it's not a super wide. I didn't choose a super wide. It's not for a giraffe. It's for a human. And then I realized that. No, it was only three repeats. So that was like, so then suddenly I was almost done and I just had to do a couple of the border rows and bind off. So fabulous. Again, blocking is needed, but I really like this yarn and my wonderful husband got me four other skeins. And this only took about half a skein. So I have another half skein of this and more skeins of all in different colors. So I still haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do, but I'm excited to work with that yarn some more in the future. Great. And it fulfilled a a wicket for your pigskin challenge. Well, I got my finishing points. I didn't get the bonus points for the month, monthly challenge, because I didn't finish it until yesterday, two days ago. Okay. Such a slacker. It's true. It's very (laughs) true. So I, yeah, so I think I have 10 points now. 
and I was looking at the other people, and everyone's like, 5,000 <laughs> people are too, like very, very into this knit-along. So okay, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but they have a lot of points. That's uh, okay. I appreciate so I hyperbole. <laughs> 10. So I'm getting there, and I have, you know, I have plans, and one of which is the October theme came up. Uh, you have to use a two-color cast-on, which is something I have not done before. I have seen and wanted to try, but have not done. And the sponsoring designer has a pattern, has a couple of patterns that have this two-color cast-on. I was thinking, oh, I've got too many things. I don't want to do it. I'll just look at the patterns. And she has this cowl, it's IROC Designs, and she has this three-color cowl. So you cast on with two colors, and then there's some patterning, and then there's some striping, and then there's a solid section. It's in worsted weight, so it's going to make a big squishy cowl, and it comes in multiple sizes. It basically takes three skeins of worsted weight yarn. And a few years ago, I won three skeins of contrasting worsted weight yarn, which I haven't used. And I could totally see it in this cowl, so now I feel that I really need to cast this on. I I want to hear more about two-color cast-on. What does yeah. that mean? So normally when you cast on, you take one yep. thing of yarn and cast on. And do all your stitches with that one color. Yep. So this one, is it kind of like intarsia? It, looks, like, what do you it almost do? looks like, I don't know. I haven't oh, done it okay, yet. Oh, okay, well. So I have not actually cast it on. I'm just... Talking about it. Talking about it. I have my yarn picked out. It needs to be wound. I did buy the pattern. I really want to do it. You see the squirrel thing going yeah. on here. Yeah. Like, ooh, pretty. Um, I think it ends up, I've heard it called Latvian braid. Oh, It ends okay. up, it looks kind of like a braid. Interesting. So it would definitely be a learning process, but she has a video on how she does it. Um, so it would be exciting and fun and looks like there would be a little bit that would be a paying attention part of the knitting and then some more mindless, you know, just hanging out. Yeah. Knitting. So we shall see. That one would have to be finished by the end of the month. And I still have, as mentioned, my other cowl and yeah, my sweater. It's, it's only October 3rd. You've got oodles uh, of time. Plenty of time. But it is probably about two full skeins of yarn oh, okay. involved in it. I mean, three colors. One of them, I think you use about the full skein. Anyway, so we'll see. And then, since we live in San Francisco, high schools are all on a lottery or application basis. There's no neighborhood high schools. So as an eighth grade parent, I get to spend my fall going to school tours. As do I. As do you. I mean, I don't have to. I am able to do this. I'm able to do some research. Monday afternoon, I realized that the next day I had a three-hour school tour, which seems excessive to me, and I still feel is a little excessive, but... It's a big decision. <laughs> it is. It was a lot of sitting around and listening to people talk about the school. Very useful. But I was not going to do that without something to knit. And I did not, since I had finished my socks recently, I did not have anything small and totally mindless. So had to pick up a new project. And I decided on basic baby hat. We have two new babies in the family this year. And I, for the past two years have been knitting Christmas hats for the new babies. So I get to do it again. Uh, I have, my yarn has come in for that. So I decided that that would be super mindless and easy. Yeah. Definitely don't need a pattern. Um, so I wound that Speak yarn for up. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cast on X number of stitches, knit for a while until it's tall enough. 
and then and then stick a pom pom on it and stick a pom pom on it. So it it was perfect for a three hour tour. So I wound the yarn. It is called Mint Cocoa Quilt, and it's from Desert Vista Dye Works, and it's her DK weight, and it's the same. I love the colors. Aren't they awesome? Same yarn brand I used for my hats last year. Nice and squishy. This one is a different kind of Christmassy. The other ones I've gone just green, white, red blends. This one, mint cocoa quilt. So it's mint green and this is I would call cranberry. Cranberry. Yeah. Cranberry red, very red. And then a tan. And I wouldn't really call that cocoa, but I don't know what I would call it. It's a darker yeah. brown color lady. Mm, I'm thinking it's it's more like an umber. Yep, I like it's that. Darker than an ochre, yeah. lighter than a Van Dyke. Anyway, it's really, really fun. A little bit different. And it's 100% gender neutral. Yes. Anybody can wear these yeah. colors. Truly. I love it. That was fun. And I got quite a lot done during the three hours yeah, that did. we were there. So one hat almost done. So that was good. But then while I was doing that, I realized that two hats is only going to last me so long. And I have a lot of tours. So I grabbed some sock yarn, wound that up for some plain socks. Um, I think it's a Christmas sock yarn for me because I don't have any. And then there was another sock knit along going that just is getting started in honor of, her, in honor of a knitter designer that just recently passed away from cancer. And so people are doing all her designs. And I found a skein of yarn that I wanted to use to join in with that. So I wound that up. So, yeah, squirrels. 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 And I did last night work on my first impressions shawl by Brenda Castile, which is the one in the Monet colors. Oh, good. Yeah. So that's coming along. Yeah. And I feel like there was something else. I am so casting on. Squirrel. (laughs) Squirrel. Casting on all the things, which is fun. And why why the heck not? It's a hobby. That's right. Yeah. So. Do what I want. Excellent. What's on the easel? Well, can I talk about my knitting epiphany? Oh, okay. We're not on the easel yet. I have come to the conclusion that I need to, I need a knitting refresher. Hmm. Because I am a self-taught knitter, mm-hmm. and I knit kind of a modified continental style. So. Everything is in my left hand, Mm -hmm. and I'm working the needle with the right. But I'm also throwing the yarn with the same left hand. Even though it's holding the stitches and it's holding the yarn in tension, I'm still, like, wrapping. and Hmm. So I think I'm halfway there because everything's in one hand. But I think I could be faster if I learned how to pick up those stitches all in that same spot instead of moving the yarn back and forth. So I looked at some YouTube videos and I think that I can teach myself how to do this, but I don't want to do it while I'm in the middle of this sweater because then the tension will be off. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So now I am ignited to finish the sweater in a different way because I want to I want to improve. You know, I don't want to be hashtag the world's slowest knitter <laughs> forever. I think it's, you know, it's an opportunity for growth. And, and I'm being totally serious. Like it's, 
It's something that I want to be more proficient at. But the only way I'm going to get there is if I improve my technique. Because I don't think I could knit much faster in this inefficient way. You know, it's already inefficient. Like, why would I try to knit faster inefficiently? If I could knit efficiently, then it would, by its very nature, be faster. And then I wouldn't be as frustrated with it. There you go. And then I'd have a finished object. (laughs) That would be awesome. So that's my knitting epiphany. I like it. I don't. I want to see you knit them. I'm very curious because usually continental left hand knitters, they're they're just picking like they hold the yarn and they use the needle to grab it. So I, I right. I I'm wrapping, even though I have the tension happening. I think mm-hmm. it's wrong, and I'm still wrapping the yarn around. Like once the the. I'm gonna say it's not wrong because it works. Right. It works, but it's, it's inefficient. very inefficient. Yeah. So I've been looking at some YouTube videos, and like I said, I just think I need to wrap up this sweater in order to relearn on some pot holders. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know that I need to relearn on a pot holder, but... You just need something that maybe the gauge isn't so critical. So we'll see. Cool. On the easel. All right. It's October. Inktober? I know, and it's supposed to be Inktober, but nope. It's not happening because I sat down the other day and I was going to use Inktober to sort of help me just keep moving. And annoy your son. And annoy my son, which is, I have plenty of other ways to do that. Okay. I assure you. I sat down the other day and was kind of forcing myself to write the narrative for my Christmas chapbook. Mm -hmm. And I I got like 75%, if you can call it that I got a huge amount of the narrative written oh wow and a squirrel popped up <laughs> a different squirrel from last year her name is Miriam and I am all about following Miriam through the forest wow and she I had a concept for this story that has absolutely nothing to do with the forest and it's sort of coming together in this amazing way <laughs> And it's completely joyful. So I put aside all of the inks for Inktober, and I didn't put them away. I just moved them from my immediate mess and started working on some of the character sketches and thinking about how I want this chapbook to come together and is it going to be the same format and looking at what I had for paper stock and I ordered all of the printer ink that I needed, which is huge because if you have ever printed a large something at home, I have a great printer, but the inks aren't available at Walgreens or CVS. Okay. I, I kind of have to special order them because it's a big old Epson, or not old, but it's a big professional Epson. So, so I ordered all the printer ink, and so I have all of that, and then I... And then I took inventory of the paper stock that I had left over from last year. And I still have a good, I have enough of the cover stock to do all of the covers for this year's. And so rather than waste that, I'm just going to order more text weight for the inside of the booklet. This is paper from French Paper Company in upstate New York. I really love the, it has little flecks in it. And so... It looks kind of natural 
and I think it suits the woodland theme that I happen to have going. So I did a lot of work with the consumables. I started some character sketches and I realized something really interesting. When I was writing the narrative, I thought, oh, this character is going to come through the scene and her name is X. And, and I had written that down in the narrative. And then when I sat down and tried sketching out this particular animal, I tried different postures and positions and it didn't come together. I think what's happening is that I can do one thing with the writing and dream up this whole imaginary world, right? Mm -hmm. And put anything I want into it. And then when I sit down and build these characters and draw them in different ways and then paint out their fur and their expressions, they change. And maybe I was wrong about the narrative, you know? Oh, so it's really interesting how the narrative is affecting the painting and the painting is affecting the narrative. And I feel like I'm in grad school. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's exactly why I want to do this chapbook again. And I feel all lit up inside. Nice. I thought I was going to have this little donkey, like a wild donkey walking through. And maybe that's not going to happen. And the squirrel I thought was going to be the same squirrel from last year. And she's different than last mm. year's squirrel. And then Alma came back into it. And okay. I cried, you know, because Alma for me is a symbol of my grandmother. And when she entered back into it, but took a lesser role, it just felt right. And there's just something about this process of writing and then painting or painting and then rewriting. It's just meant to, it's meant to be this way. And it feels much bigger than a Christmas card. That's awesome. So that's the chat book. That's what's on the easel. That's beautiful. And I have no problem letting go of Inktober for that. That seems reasonable. <laughs> because it's much more, a, it's much more my speed and where I'm at and what I want to be thinking about. Oh, you got to so, go with it. It feels yeah. like there's something in the air, though, because we're both kind of going off on these tangents. Squirrel! <laughs> exactly, but it's really awesome. Finally. It's super fun. Yeah. But squirrel. Yeah. So. So is that all you've been working on or is there other I have been working almost solidly on the chapbook. Awesome. Um, I'm also like refinishing a china cabinet and I oh, think I'm doing it kind of wrong, but perfect is the enemy of done and I need mm -hmm. it done. And it's the interior shelves and I don't know that they're original. Mm -hmm. So I am all about protecting them right. and getting them in there. Cool. But probably like you, I have to break all of this action to cook. <laughs> Yes, that happens. Yeah, what's on your table? So we had a birthday dinner for Simon, which is the birthday dinner we always have. And since he was traveling during his birthday, he was a little worried that it wasn't going to happen or when was it going to happen with the boys' sports and everything. But he came back early from his the business part of his trip. Um, so we were able to do it over the weekend. And his traditional birthday dinner is baked cheese sandwiches and Boston cream pie. Oh, I was going to take a picture of it for you. And you ate it? Yes. Monica. Well, but I it's did. Like, it was on Saturday. It wasn't going to keep until now. I just mean, oh, it's like. Why wouldn't I eat it? 25 episodes. you got to learn to take the picture first. I know. No, wait. I did take a picture. I don't think it was. It, I, it was a bad picture. 
We'll check. Anyway. Food is very hard to photograph, I find. Yes. Desserts are easier. Everyone wants dessert. Yeah. Easy to sell that. Anyway, so the baked cheese sandwiches. This is something his mom used to make. And I have received two different recipes for this Is item. it a recipe or a procedure? <laughs> well, I mean, there's two of them, so it's... Okay. It's, it's, it's bread, buttered bread, cheese, and kind of a baked French... It's sort of like a savory baked French toast. Strata, oh, okay. Like okay. A eggs I and love strata. A little mustard. Yeah. And so one I have, you let it sit maybe even overnight. And the other one, you just kind of assemble and bake. So I usually do that one because I don't have space in my fridge to have something sit overnight. Yeah. And I have added prosciutto to it to make it a little heartier. Um, once we went gluten-free, we have two separate dishes. And so now we have one that's gluten-free, meatless. The boys and I had a bigger, you know, regular bread plus prosciutto. Uh, I usually serve it with a salad. It's delicious. Everyone loves it. My my grandma, my crafty grandma, called mm-hmm. those cheese dreams. <laughs> really? Yeah, that that's that's it was just it. under the broiler. Oh. There was no there was no egg. There's no prosciutto. I assure oh, well, you, no. there might have been French's yellow mustard yeah, served I, on the table. Oh, on top. Yeah. Interesting. No, this is all baked in there. You you eat it with a knife and fork because it's all you know goopy and yeah cheesy and delicious. And I've been making this for him. Probably almost since we met. I like, you know, growing up, one of the big things was you got to pick what you had for your birthday dinner. So when we moved in together, that was something that was important to me. So I talked, did I ask? I can't remember if I asked him or I asked his mom for a favorite recipe, but that was what he wanted. So so he's always been making that. And then the Boston cream pie, which was delicious. And I don't know what I did differently this year, but this was the best one I had made. I gotta say, I don't know. I don't know if it's the new oven, but it like rose perfectly. It was pretty fluffy. I was super impressed with myself. I gotta say. <laughs> well, I don't believe you because I don't have a picture of it. I'll show you. I'm <laughs> sure, I have a picture. So that was fun. And then I made the salted peanut butter cookies from Smitten Kitchen. Those that I believe because I oh, saw them. Those were so good. And that flake salt just elevates everything. It was nice. She, and it's, you know, as she does, this is a recipe from her website. So there's a whole essay about how she (laughs) created them. And I think it's a bakery in New York that she tasted them at and got the recipe and she's experimented with stuff at home. So it's just peanut butter, sugar, vanilla, brown sugar, and um, eggs. And then the salt on top. Do they whip up kind of fluffy? I've never made them. They are described as the consistency of Play-Doh, the batter, Okay. when you finish mixing it all. And apparently the texture and taste is best if you use something more commercial like Skippy. Mm. I did not have Skippy in my house. I really wanted to make them. I figured if I waited till I went and bought Skippy, it was not going to happen. So I used the jar of natural peanut butter I had, and it was delicious. So yeah, it was fine. Yeah, so they're kind of... They're a little bit fluffy, but they're crunchy on the outside. They're so peanut buttery. I think she described them as like the inside of a really good peanut butter cup. (laughs) It was good. It was a very difficult day the next day to not constantly, every time I walked by the leftovers, to eat them. Yeah. Because it made 
definitely two sheet pans with a couple extra squished in there. So maybe 26, 27. And they're small, but they're super rich. Right. So got to help the boys make good choices because they asked, you know, they, it's dessert time. How many can I have? I'm like, well, let's start with two and <laughs> see how you feel. They obviously went for one or two more. but Right. They were really good. Really good. And then I have been working my way through the Jamie Oliver Five Ingredients Cookbook, which I mentioned last time. Lots of really good recipes in there. And five ingredients, salt and pepper don't count. I think a lot of times, instead of using chicken broth, I'll use water. There was something I made where I thought, oh, it was a creamy mustard chicken. Then you used water in the sauce, and I think it really could have been chicken broth. But it had cream, so it wasn't, you know, <laughs> terribly. Right, right. It wasn't too bad. I made a cherry charred rice from there. Ooh. So it had chard and wild rice, and then you steam the chard on top of the wild rice, and you make kind of a dressing with dried cherries and red wine vinegar and olive oil, and then mix it all together. There was the bitterness of the chard and the sweetness of the cherries, and then the wild rice was still a little crunchy, and it made a ton, but everyone liked that. And that was, that was pretty delicious. Hmm. But I did also make... A chicken pot pie, which was all one pan, half an hour tops, really good. What did you do for the, did you do a bottom crust and a top crust? No, so you like cook the chicken, you cook onions, cook um, chopped up chicken thighs. Oh, not entirely one pan because you cook the mushrooms in a separate pan, in a dry pan, and then throw them in. Mm -hmm. And then you use probably red wine vinegar again, and water to make the sauce, and it gets all the delicious caramely brown bits from the bottom. So it was enough. It was a good amount of sauce and had a lot of flavor. And then you just put the puff pastry on top. You roll it out a little bit, put it on top, and then bake it. Perfect. So it was super fast. I feel like, yeah, a lot of times they have the bottom crust and the top crust, and you make a separate sauce, and it's all this, like, 50 different steps, and it's yeah. not. This was... And Easy then your fast. kids eat it all in one meal, and you're like, yeah. oh, well, that happened anyway. <laughs> but it did feel, and it also felt like something that they could handle oh, making fun. themselves. Because yeah. it's five ingredients. You can't get too lost in it. It's pretty not complicated. So, Is this a library cookbook, or did you purchase? It was a library cookbook, and then, and then I decided just to go ahead and purchase yeah. it. In part because he has a veg cookbook coming out. So I think it's out in England because I had seen it, but it looked like maybe the U.S. version is coming out in January, so I was going to wait. But then you can now get, I guess, the British version because it's taking two weeks to get here on Amazon. So as long as I want it, I knew I wanted the five ingredient and it, you know how they pop up with, maybe you want all these books. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, but I want those two. So I just went ahead and got it because... There's a lot of good things in there. And is the Dinner a Love Story, is her vegetarian cookbook out yet? Or is next that year. coming? Okay. Next year. she's. It's definitely still in process. They do not have a release date, but next year. Okay. So, yeah. But she said to follow along on her Instagram and whatnot. Okay. Um, for updates and things she is working on. Ah, so that's what's on my table. It's been good. And then I've got a few more. I've got a Brussels sprouts recipe that I'm trying tomorrow night. Good. I'm excited, yeah. Because it's that season. It is that season, and it's been similar at our house. I did um, a chicken chili from delish.com the other day, mm. and only because I was in the grocery store and I needed to buy dinner ingredients and thought, I 
can't remember what goes in that chicken chili that I like. And so I just looked one up and then followed the, the one from Delish. And it was great. Everybody ate it. It was gone in a flash. I made some cornbread muffins with it, mm. which I think I've linked to before. They're from the Bread Bible, which is my absolute go-to cornbread recipe. It has sour cream in it, which oh. makes them tender. more tender, fluffier. Mm. Uh, so good. I really like that recipe. Then I did a smashed... I had some little creamer potatoes. You know, the little ones, they're like the size of a ping pong ball. Mm -hmm. And they boil in eight minutes. And I boiled them in water. And then I put them to cool on a sheet pan and squished them with the back of a spoon. And then sprinkled like a little bit of salt and pepper and a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of, I think, pecorino is what I had. And then roasted them off in a hot oven and got them crispy. And they're kind of an elevated tater tot (laughs) you know a lot easier yeah super healthy the kids loved them and they went with two different nights I think Hmm. so that was that was an easy little side dish I also made a lentil stew the problem is I went off the top of my head and I had uh, the teeny black beluga lentils Mm mm-hmm which I love, yes. except that they stain the whole stew. So it didn't really, it was not <laughs> photogenic, but it tasted very amazing. O- very October-y, though. Mm-hmm. It was spooky. Yeah. It, But it stained the carrots, and I didn't have any potatoes in there, but it surely would have stained potatoes. Yeah, yeah. So I, oh, why do I forget how amazing lentils are? They're so satisfying. It's true. I think it would have been great with... A little spoonful of sour cream mm. but I didn't have any and we ate that with the rest of the corn meal the cornbread oh. muffins so that was great did you like it so other than the appearance did you like it with the beluga or do you feel like it oh should I have love been... it oh, okay it's just not as um, they stay it looked more, more like they? no oh they no they I mean it was okay. it, I just sauteed some onions and carrots and I put the lentils in I accidentally added beef stock instead of chicken stock because we're not vegetarian so but that elevated the depth Mm. of it that was a weird analogy elevating the depth (laughs) and it was it was a very satisfying recipe because it's lentils they really stick um and then last night we are embarking on this we have lots of boys coming and going this weekend we had a kid last night, an extra kid, and we have some extra kids this weekend. And so I thought I'm going to get ahead of this <laughs> and made a giant batch of slow-cooked beef taco meat. Oh, that's And smart. I browned off all the ground beef and I added in all the seasoning and the onions and the garlic and then put it in the crock pot with tomato paste and beef stock. It called for water, but I use beef stock. Yeah, That's funny. That and then let it cook down for about six hours. And it was amazing. Like the texture was really good. And it was, it felt remarkably authentic. <laughs> and not to bash Ortega, but less like Ortega and more like 
really rich, slow cooked taco meat instead go. of, you know, quickie. Nice. So I, I still have that left over and I think I'm going to save it for tomorrow night when we have the rest of the boy, the boy infusion. And then my, I forgot to talk about this last week. I have a new matcha. Oh. And I know that those of you who like matcha will want to hear about this. And the rest of you can just hold on a second. I found a Green Foods brand, ceremonial grade matcha. And I kind of winced at the price tag because I think it was $16. and But it's a good, I don't know, maybe I didn't even look at the weight on it. Anyway, um, that's about right for culinary grade matcha but it okay. seemed kind of cheap for ceremonial mm-hmm. and it said ceremonial so I thought oh, I'll give it a try and it also says on there dissolves great in hot or cold water and sometimes that is a is a problem with matcha this matcha is awesome it has really smooth flavor it's that bright green color that it's supposed to be if you've had bad matcha or like bitter matcha and you really want to try it again, I really recommend the, the Green Foods brand. It is totally great. And I I'm not I don't I don't think I've ever endorsed a brand before, you know, like that, but so happy with it. What a great find. But I found it at Canyon Market in Glen Park. Oh. And I don't know where I'm gonna find it elsewhere. I haven't seen it elsewhere. Have you looked though? I looked at Whole Foods and I looked I looked yesterday at Costco, and they mm-hmm. had a giant bag of green tea powder, but it was not culinary, and it was n- certainly not ceremonial, and it was about, I don't know, $10 for oh. like a two-pound bag, which that price just tells me that it's not the yeah. same quality, and so I left it there. It's that, I don't even know what you would do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody can fill me in. However... Yeah. We'll keep an it's eye my out. new favorite. If you see it anywhere, let yeah. me know. Will do. All right. What you reading? On the nightstand, uh, I wanted to go back to one of the books that I read last week because I did not give a heat rating. A heat index? Heat index. <laughs> uh, the Kiss Quotient, very steamy and explicit. Vanilla, but explicit. So if that's not your thing, might want to stay away from that book. Just thought I should put that out there. I like that, the heat index. Yeah. I have not been reading a lot of really steamy romances. They've been very Regency, lots of kissing, and, you know. So this one, modern couple going at it. (laughs) Anyway, so the first book I read was The Group by Mary McCarthy, which came out in the early 60s. So I forget. I found this on Twitter. Someone was talking about it. Caused a scandal when it came out. Thought it sounded interesting. It's about... Um, Causes scandal. Monica reads it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's about a group of eight women who are uh, Vassar College, class of 33. And the author was part of that class, so presumably she knows what they experienced. It starts off a week after graduation at the wedding of one of them, and then follows them through... I think it's the next eight or nine years of their lives. Ups and downs, good times, bad times. And then 
something happens and they all get together again at the end of the book and sort of reflect on how their lives have been going and you know now that they've reached the ripe old age of 29. So, oh boy. Yeah, it, not really. I'm, I'm exaggerating a yeah. little, but I was, you know, and it was a different time. So they were all getting married right out of college and right. having kids. So it was a different, different life experience. There was a little, there was some plot and it switched around. There would be a chapter on one person and then it would, the next chapter would focus on a different one. And you know how groups have, like you have a big group and then you have better friends. And right. so you, the characters would go in and out of focus. But it a lot of times felt like an essay on, not a, on the plight of being a woman in the 30s. And Interesting. So, and it was her- written in the 60s. Yes. Hmm. The more things change, I mean, it felt totally contemporary in a lot of issues. There's uh, one woman is in the hospital after the birth of her first child. This part was not the same. The whole family is there smoking their cigarettes and dad's over in the corner shaking up cocktails. <laughs> the cocktail shaker. I thought that sounded pretty good. But <laughs> she has this internal monologue as everyone is there thinking about breastfeeding her son because it is coming back into style because her mom and all of her friends and most of the new mother's friends bottle feed and the grandmothers were the ones who were breastfeeding and so bottle feeding came in it's new it's scientific it's hygienic it's easier for everyone um, and the new mom's husband is a pediatrician and they're like nope immunities being yeah. transferred easier don't have to worry about sterilizing and you know her parents and everyone are kind of thinking about how crazy she is for doing it right so I mean, it's still the same debate we're having today so a lot of that was the same but each character kind of takes on a different, there's working women, there's all sorts of things. So at times it felt more like a series of essays and not necessarily a book or a story. Hmm. It was definitely a book, so. But interesting, I mean, and again, reading about all these same issues that we're still having. Yeah, history sure 90 years later, yeah, yeah. So, so that was interesting, we'll say. And then I read The Women of the Copper Country by Mary Doria Russell which I give no points for the title. Seriously, I could have come up with something more interesting, but uh, I love her as a writer. It is the story of a copper strike in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in 1913, based on uh, actual historical strike. One of the things I found really interesting was the main heroine is a Slovenian immigrant, and my family is Slovenian. And I know my great-grandfather worked in the Upper Peninsula. Oh, my goodness. Um, and he would have been there right around the same time. I think when he was in Michigan, he was in logging and then moved to Montana and did mining. So, but I, I don't know exactly. So, but, so I had kind of a personal connection with the story that I thought was kind of interesting. So the, the main character ends up, I mean, it's mining. It's before labor unions. It's Michigan. It's, you know, horrible conditions. Um, she ends up leading a strike, and it's all the things that go on. Mm-hmm. Um, so well-written, interesting. The ending wasn't super fabulous. It ended, but a little bit, I think, because she was basing it on what actually happened. There was only so much she could do with right. making a satisfying ending. You know, if you like her writing, it's still beautiful writing. I think it's well-researched and intriguing characters. So I would recommend that one. And then I finished listening to Career of Evil by Robert Galbraith, which is number three of the Cormoran Strike books. And yes, I've already downloaded and started listening to number four. So 
Monica texted me several times (laughs) during the ending of this book or during the whole book, I think. Yeah, mostly towards the end. Just to kvetch about one of the characters. (sighs) There was a lot of things. And then something else happened and I literally gasped out loud. I was like, no! So, (laughs) anyway, um, I continue to love their relationship, the two main characters. I had a harder time with this book because of all the violence against women. Yeah. If you have a tough time reading about that, do not read this book. It is gritty and violent and gross. So I didn't like that as much. The others were, and I realize this sounds really bad, just a single murder. But it, it, and there was a point, like someone had a grudge against someone and killed that person, which is awful and horrible, and we do not support that. But it makes sense. This was just random violence against women. I mean, there was also a grudge against someone, but bonus random violence. So that was hard. Yes. To read about. But there were but the two main characters, their relationship, and the stupid boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Driving me nuts. Everybody is driving me nuts in this book. <laughs> Craziness. And you downloaded number four. And I've already started. Because more driving me crazy. Right. The opening, I'm just and then and then all of a sudden it's a year later. So I know. What just happened? I don't know. We'll find out. And then I am currently reading Tidelands by Philippa Gregory, which is her most recent one. Just came out. And I might dump it. <gasps> I know. What? I am not loving it. It's a huge book. And I have, I just had another four books come in from the library. And I still oh have gosh. like two more that I have to get through. So I'm trying to kind of skim it just to, I sort of, I sort of care what happens to these people. So it's 1648 in England along the coast. It's the English Civil War, Parliament against the King. She's a poor woman. Her husband is left. They don't know if he's dead or he's just run away. She deals in herbs. So you know there's going to be a witch trial somewhere in there. She's got two kids to raise. She falls in love with a rich priest. And I read a lot of romances, right? So I get that the whole love at first sight trope. Generally don't have a problem with it. It didn't feel real in this instance. She... I think, has elevated the research level and the historical accuracy in her books enough that it felt weird to be in this love at first sight because they're so far apart in terms right. of status. It, and they're just kind of annoying me now. <laughs> so I'm trying to skim and find out what happens, and I might just not even care that much. I think if I didn't have anything else to read, I would get through yeah. it, but I have so many other things from the library, although they're not charging fines anymore. I was Did just going to say. And they will automatically renew your books if they if they can. If nobody's waiting for it, they'll automatically renew your book for you. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, ticket. so very exciting. The fine thing, I don't necessarily mind, but I think it yeah. will help a lot of other people yeah. who are, you know, if they have a lot of fines, then they don't want to go to the library. So I'm totally fine owning my late fees, but I we give a little bit philanthropically to the library mm. every year and now I'll just do a little bit more because I'm not doing yeah apparently my late fees it was interesting because my mom's library had said they were going to start doing that and she was confused and so I looked into it and I guess the fines don't really discourage people from returning their books I right. mean to return it like I don't I'm, for me it's 10 cents a day whatever right I need four more days I'm keeping it yeah and I and do the, yeah but the people where it actually makes you know where it's an okay. issue for it doesn't stop them they just don't come back to the library. So. Right, right. So I'm, I think it's great that they've made yeah. the switch. So I had the, books. thank you. I had the opposite problem where I had no books. I can't even. Which 
Fathomless. I had read, well, not no books, but... Um, <laughs> Too many choices for your next one? I had nothing in, coming in from the library, and I still hadn't gone through... I have a little stack of to-be-read that I just... I wasn't excited about anything, really. And so I was at a soccer game last weekend, and there's a library not even a block away. The West Sunset Field, so oh, yeah. I went... I went to the, what is it, the Ortega branch? Yep. And it was open. Nice. So I thought. They've added a lot of hours to all of the yeah, branches. Yeah, it's so great. It's great. So I had taken my son early so he could warm up in his goalie stuff and was going to just do a big walk around the block. But the library was open, so I popped in there instead, and I picked up four books off the shelf. And I was so happy because I knew so that fun. I didn't have I didn't have anything on hold over at my own branch and it just it seemed like serendipitous. So I do love being able to do that and it's been a long time since I Yeah, it was so fun. Been able to. Two that I picked up, well, one was The Night Child. And honestly, I thought for a second when I saw the spine that it was Anna Quinlan. I was like, "Oh, she has a new one?" No, it's not Anna Quinlan. It's Anna Quinn and the uh, library tag covers part of her name, or it doesn't cover her name at all. I just misread it. This was a different, difficult book. And this is sort of the serendipity of pulling off of a shelf. Like, I didn't know anything about it. I liked the indoor flap, and off it went. You know, home it came. Have you read The Art of Racing in the Rain? No. Oh, okay. That's the, the author that has written a little review on the cover or yeah. you know recommendation on the cover i've read it i was just wondering if it was a similar kind of book but did you read the book of joan i don't think so although it sounds vaguely familiar yeah it is interesting to find new authors that way from the snippets on the book cover yeah so i took this home and i dove right into it and i i read it in a few hours and very fa fast pace but it is it is kind of disturbing. So there's some content. It's not a big book. Nope, it's not a big book. But there is some content that might be really triggering for people. It, it's not a heat index. It's more like a cringe index, yeah. you know. There's a case of a parent with a mental disorder. And we learn a lot about her past. And she, we go to therapy with her in this book and sift through things. And that's really difficult to be privy to but I think it's a fast interesting story it held my attention and and it was like I said just picked up off the library shelf I'm also reading The Sunlit Night by Rebecca Dinnerstein um, this is so such an interesting connection happening there's a character who's done with college and she heads off to this artist retreat in Norway, like the most northern point on an island. And she's doing um, a big barn painting project in shades of yellow. Yeah. So for me, I love reading about this because she's talking about how yellows, you know, this is the land of midnight sun because she's there in the summer and, and how these yellows are changing, even though they're painting this whole thing 
in shades of yellow and how flecks of purple that they didn't even put there. I don't know. It's just, it's gorgeous from that one narrow perspective. And then there's a another character who's father passes and he wants to bury him up in this one spot and so now they've they've converged and they're there together and we'll see what's going to unfold the author is part norwegian i don't know if english is her second language i think norway teaches english pretty young so i feel like she's very fluent her language for telling the story is beautiful and somewhat poetic in in a way and different and I am enjoying the whole thing and this was one of the surprise oh, cool. takes off the library so did you shelf. finish it or you're still I have it? a little bit left okay and this is another one with lots of interesting um oh yeah other authors on the, the cool um, cover as well yeah it is a cool cover and then I'm listening to the witch's daughter speaking of what year were the witch trials? 1692. The Witch's Daughter by Paula Braxton. And I'm. this is on audio. And it reminds me of that book that I listened to way, way back called The Binding. And that was another audio book that captivated me when I was listening to it. And this one feels different and interesting because it opens in the present day. And she's 300 years old. Oh, And a girl comes her way and she is trying to decide whether or not she's going to trust someone and tell her story. And then she ultimately decides to. And so now we're getting her whole backstory. And I think rather than just dropping you into 19 or 1690s and this is what's going on, to know that she is a plague survivor and... You know, and everything that she's lived through Mm -hmm. to be 300 years old and how did she get there and how, 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 how is a totally different momentum for a book than being dropped into it. So as, you know, from the writer's perspective, that's Mm -hmm. very, very cool way to access the story. So that one, I think I'm, I have two or three hours left on. It's hard to tell where I'm at in that one, but, um. Very much enjoying it. I'm very upset with you right now. Why? Squirrel! No, I have to listen to... Well, actually, that's okay. Is it a good as an audiobook? It's great as an audiobook. Okay. It's... The narrator has a British accent, which is always a selling point for that's me. always fun. No offense to any other accents out there. I'm happy to hear you read, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good listen. Okay. It might be a nice change-up from the... Uh, Once I finish... Lethal White, then I can (laughs) listen to that. So it's less of an issue, except that I'm not listening to any of my podcasts. I'm just listening to these. Yes, don't forsake your podcasts, people. I'll I'll switch them in a little bit, and then then I have to get back to my Cormorant and Robin. I know. It's a good break from the news, though. There is that. I haven't been. I've just been ignoring things. Well, we had a busy... Week. Week for... Yeah. Week and a day. Yeah. That was that extra day. Is what it was. All right. So we'll see you in two weeks. And until then, do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hello. Sorry. (laughs) It wasn't me this time messing up.
Yes. <laughs> Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.